Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today, and we're going to talk about something that is an extremely contentious topic. And I think for good reason, but I think we're going to share maybe some perspectives that you hadn't thought about today. And as you can see, we have another guest with us today. So sometimes you will hear dog noise, people. We do the best that we can. Okay. So um, without further ado, Haley, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Rachel, for having me on this awesome podcast. I'm flattered, flattered to be here. Um, I'm Haley Griffin. I, um, I'm a CPDTKA trainer as of this year. I just got my certification. So certified professional dog trainer, finally. Um, I own the business Kindred Canine. Uh, primarily I was doing pet sitting and dog walking for many years. And as of the last few years, I'm really starting to switch gears and get more into dog training and uh, boarding as well. So I've been boarding dogs at my home for the last few years. Uh, low stress boarding is what I like to call it because the idea is it's just a few dogs at a time and keeping it calmer and easier for those dogs that can't can't quite handle the stress of those bigger facilities or or whatever the situation is. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, I have a biology degree. I'm really into plants and gardening. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. And everyone remember that because that's going to make sense when we introduce her dogs later on. Okay. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So just so everyone understands. So Haley, I feel like I've known you for like at least 10 years. Yeah. Longer than that. Yeah. And over the it's years. Been a minute. <laughs> yeah, you have helped with a lot of dogs, right? A lot yeah. of my dogs, my client's mm-hmm. dogs. I remember we had that foster Hilo, the white American Terrier. I remember yes. him. And you watched him. So mm-hmm. Haley and I go right way back. And, you know, while obviously you were doing like pet sitting and dog walking, you were always training also. But now you just yes. charge people for training. So that's good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, technically, I actually started dog training 2008 was when I decided to be a dog trainer. Uh, and I actually did this, uh, correspondence program, uh, a pretty cheap and easy way to get into it just to get like a, a background training, basic training going on. Um, and then I started, you know, volunteering with shelters and anyway. Yes. History. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> it's what all a, history now. <laughs> what a beautiful journey you have been on. What a beautiful journey you have been on. Okay. And then correct me if I'm wrong, Thank but you. a lot of your history is working really closely with rescues, recently adopted dogs. So like a lot of your career has surrounded rescue dogs, shelter dogs, being in pet homes and helping rescues. Yeah. 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 Totally. So the first like real training hands-on experience that I got other than like some private training here and there as I as I was a green dog trainer and I was like I think I'm doing this (laughs) I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my best back in like 2009 um 
I started volunteering for Max Fund uh, Shelter in Denver, um, and I became a volunteer trainer there. They had a program. It's, it doesn't exist anymore, but for several years, I was involved with helping train the volunteers who worked at the shelter to help train basic manners to the dogs to kind of help keep them in their homes when they got adopted. And we even did a little bit of behavioral modification with some of the dogs that had a little bit more going on, <laughs> which was quite a few of them. Yes. So uh, I, I gained such valuable experience uh, throughout all of that. So that was like a good five or so years, I want to say. Um, and then I've been involved with a ton of other trainers. Uh, you, you were one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the lovely Colorado Dog Trainer Network has hooked me up with so many different people. Um, and so I've helped with fosters. I've helped with rescues kind of indirectly in a lot of situations. Um but more recently, I'm doing a lot of virtual dog training classes with my good friend and colleague, Bettina's business, uh, Bettina Shadden and Trust Evolved. She has a partnership with Farfels Rescue and there's a couple others in the re- in the works to help train the dogs uh, once they're adopted to stay in their homes. So a lot of this is really focused on keeping these rescue dogs in their homes once they get adopted. So definitely a huge passion of mine is getting dogs out of shelters and into into forever homes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I just yeah. have to note that I got so much of my early training experience at the Max Fund too. Oh my yeah. gosh. Right. Yeah. Like so great for volunteer. Any, yeah. System so any there. of you who are listening who are like, mm, maybe I want to be a dog trainer. My suggestion would be most shelters have like a dog walking volunteer program. Get, <laughs> totally. get in there, everybody, because that's like totally. your, that's your best bet in like getting some of that handling experience while you figure out some of the training stuff. Yes. And it's so beneficial for the dogs because so many of those dogs just need more enrichment in their lives. So even just like volunteers coming and walking the dogs once a day or. Oh, and yeah. doing training work with them is amazing, amazing. Okay, so I want to talk about your dogs because, yeah. you, yes, right? Okay, so tell everybody about your dogs. So let's start with, <laughs> we have to start with the glorious senior dog and then we'll go down. <laughs> of course, of course. Yes, we've got a little bit of a, you know, hierarchy here. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, Yeah, what is it called? Their Their tenure? Their tenure here? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I think that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, so I have three dogs. Um, in addition to my lovely boarding dogs, I, I, I generally have my hands full. Um, <laughs> but uh, Yoda is my oldest. I actually, I, I joke a lot because Yoda, I'm like, I actually have no idea how old he is. He could be like 25 for all I know. <laughs> and I honestly wouldn't be surprised because he ages and it he doesn't change. It's It's fantastic. But he is my little, I, I say he's probably around 14 at this point, which is pretty, pretty good age for, um, a, a dog, any dog. Yeah. Um, but he is, I got him DNA tested f- finally a few years back and he is like 25% Chihuahua and then I think 20% Pomeranian and then descending percentages of Pekingese, Japanese chin. Uh, oh, there's another one, uh, Papillon, and something else that is like totally blowing my mind right now. But like all these little dogs from different continents, basically, different different <laughs> countries of the world. <laughs> 
So he's just got it all. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. And, where, and, and how did Yoda come into your life? Yeah. So he was actually, um, a, a rescue, but not through traditional means. He was a stray little chihuahua living out on the streets of Aurora, uh, which is the suburb outside of Denver. And, um, he, it was the winter. It's funny. Cause I had just, just rehomed a foster dog that I had had for a couple of years, like a long-term foster. I'd been trying to find a home for her for a long time. I literally like had somebody in Idaho pay for me to rent a car to drive her out to them in Idaho on, on the new year's day <laughs> of 2011. And I had my previous dog buttons back then. She was my first adult dog. And, um, I had wanted, and my, my life was very busy. I was in college at the time doing a million things, working full time. And I was like, I can't have two dogs right now. I really need to find a home for this foster dog. So I did. And then immediately when I got home from that big road trip, big deal, really awesome. This dog got like the best home she possibly could, like 50 acres out in Idaho oh, with horses glorious. and this lady who used to be a vet tech. Anyway, awesome. That's an awesome story of its own. Um, but as soon as I got home, my best friend called me who lives in Aurora. And she was like, we just caught this little Chihuahua mix and we're trying to find his home, putting up flyers, putting up Craigslist. We think we're going to take him to the shelter. We don't really know what to do. Um, but, you know, there's like a million chihuahuas in the shelter and it's it's hard to bring one to the shelter because it's like yeah. it's going to get adopted. Who knows? Um, so they called me, as many of my friends of tend course, to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the dog people, right? In our social yeah, groups, uh -huh, probably yeah. like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get those phone get calls the call. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Same. So I was like, well, I just got home from, you know, adopting out this other dog. But I'll I'll take him and, and hold on to him while we wait to see if there's, you know, somebody calls to claim him or maybe we can find a home for him if we need to. He wasn't neutered. Um, like I was just like this little street dog and I didn't know how old he was then. He used to have a little black mask and he was a much darker color back then. <laughs> he's a bit whiter these days. Yes. Um, he has, he's changed. He's, he's very dignified looking these days, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wound up taking him. Actually, my mother wound up taking him for a little while because she was like, oh, my God, he's adorable. I I would like to have him. So for the first year, he, he stayed with my mom and we thought that was going to be a permanent thing. But then her other dog, who was older, was getting health issues. And she was like, eh, maybe maybe you should have him back. So he came back to me and I was always kind of like, I really don't need a second dog right now. But my dog at the time, Buttons was she was my first dog as an adult and she was very very reactive to other dogs and she fell in love with yoda and i don't know what it was <laughs> but they just adored each other he was obsessed with her he he was they were, they were just obsessed with each other and would spend every waking moment together he would follow her outside they would lick each other and groom each other and snuggle together it was the cutest thing so ultimately i kept yoda and I decided he was her dog. <laughs> it's like, how can you say no to buttons? Like, if you love each other this much, then fine. It was kind of a miracle. I was like, wow, she likes another dog. How can I How can I find a new home for him? And nobody was claiming him. So I was like, okay, you're part of the family. Welcome home. <laughs> Which is funny, too, because that I, I, call, I started calling him Yoda because he had the big chihuahua ears. 
I actually, I've never fully finished watching Star Wars. Oh my God. <laughs> Another controversial topic we won't need to get into. <laughs> I do like Star Trek, but I've just never been able to get into Star Wars. So anyway, everybody who meets him, they're like, oh, Star Wars fan. And I'm like, actually, yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> We're just kidding. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> but yeah, it's stuck. It's stuck. And, and he's Yoda and he's wonderful. Oh my um, God. Bless him. Such a good little personality, and he gets along with all of the dogs that he meets. He's so, he just goes with the flow. He's my little go with the flow dog. He gets along with everybody, and he's just super chill and more chill as he ages, of course, because he's a little sleepy. But (laughs) yes, yes, oh my god, yeah, okay, so Yoda, we we had to give him the glorious spotlight that he deserved, okay, and then okay, so let's talk about the middle child middle child middle child heiress so yeah he's he's got a very interesting backstory he is seven now which is mind-blowing because he was just a 10 month old when i got him but he was a shelter rescue and he was a complex one i was actually this is back in 2017 um i had a little bit of puppy fever back then (laughs) but i was like i already have yoda and buttons at that time And I was like, I don't really need three dogs. But I had several friends who had three dogs who were like cheering me on. And I was like, I won't be that crazy, right? If I have three dogs, (laughs) I don't have as many as this friend does. So that makes me okay. (laughs) And I'm a dog trainer. You know, at this point, I have time in my life. I was still doing a lot of dog walking and pet sitting at the time. But anyway, puppy fever. I wasn't sure that I was ready for like a young puppy, but I was I was I had my feelers out. (laughs) And then my friend Darby, I think you know Darby. Yeah, I do. Uh, she was working at a local shelter in the behavioral modification department back then and discovered this awesome dog who was only 10 months old, kind of higher energy, a little on the shy side, but, you know, high energy dog. And he had been relinquished because the family didn't have enough time for him uh, for a high energy 10 month old. Yeah. Go figure. Mm-hmm. And I, that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> So, but he was so adorable and fluffy and cute. And I, I saw her post about him on her Facebook page. We're friends on Facebook. And um, she was trying to get him sprung. And then he immediately got adopted, like, really quickly. Because, of course, he's adorable. Um, but fast forward, I think it was a couple of weeks later. I actually don't even remember the details anymore. Because that was years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the before times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was relinquished again by the new owners because he had been sleeping on the couch. Um, and in my assumption, you know, acclimating to no, not not my assumption, factually acclimating to a brand new home after having been in a shelter, probably pretty stressed out. Um, and he was napping on the couch and someone in the family had laid down on him. Uh, cause he was such a soft, fluffy, cute dog and they got bit in the face and it was a puncture bite to the face. So he was relinquished and I think they really did try to make it work. Like the, the, that shelter had a policy of not adopting dogs with bite records out to the public. And so the person was informed of that. They took him back, tried to make it work, but they just couldn't trust him after that. So they brought him back. And then my friend Arby was posting about him on Facebook again, like, okay, this was a startle bite. So it's not really like he's not aggressive. 
Right. Um, which, you know, I mean, if somebody laid on me that I didn't know very well, I would, <laughs> I don't know that I would bite them, but I would sure be pissed off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. Especially like we're still kind of virtual strangers. We're just getting to know each other. Don't go in. Anyway, not to shame anybody. It happens. Totally. But um, yeah, so she was, you know, flooding Facebook. We were trying to find like a rescue or something to pull him from the shelter or a sanctuary or something to prevent him from getting euthanized because he was basically on the road to getting euthanized, um, which is just so heartbreaking. This 10 month old, you know, full of potential sweet dog and reflecting on like all the years he's been with you and like how amazing he is in so many ways yeah yes yes anytime I tell like anyone who gets to know him and I tell them this story everybody's just like jaw dropped like no what him this fluffy sweet snuggly boy (laughs) he um could not be adopted to the public so uh several people I think we were all trying to network and find a place to pull him I actually found a rescue, Circle 2 Rescue. I don't know if they even exist anymore, actually, but hallelujah to them. They, they're they wonderful because they were willing to pull him on the condition that I sign an adoption contract to prevent the liability. So right. we went ahead and did that. So everyone, just to give you a little bit more insight, right? Once a shelter organization knows that the dog has bit, right? So there's a bite record. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of legality and they can't legally adopt out the dog anymore. So that's why the rescue essentially had to be the middleman, right? To assume that liability, right? So it's so hard and it's like, it's especially those situations, right? Where it's like, okay, you're new in a home, you're young, someone sat on you, you bit them. Like, yeah, do we know that like how we can push this dog to bite? Yeah, but like, those are all circumstances that we can account for when he's more comfortable. Maybe it wouldn't get to that point. Right. But right. regardless, Threshold right on his paper, paperwork, it says bite history. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and a puncture bite, which was big deal. And then there was a little miscommunication between him getting pulled, like him being secured essentially. And my friend showed up to work one day and intercepted him walking down the hallway to the euthanasia room. He was, there was a miscommunication and he was about to be euthanized. So yeah, I get emotional thinking about that because it was so close. Um, So it turned out she got there in the nick of time, intercepted, was like, nope, we've got a rescue. We're pulling him. He's going today. (laughs) And then later that day he showed up at my house, she drove him over here and I was like, okay, sight unseen, we're going to see how this goes. And obviously the rest is history because <laughs> oh he's, he's one of my forever puppies. Um, and yeah, so he is made up of, I did a DNA test on him too, of course. Um, so fun to know. It's so fun to know. I, I love it. I wish I had had this for like my childhood dogs. Right. <laughs> like the technology was not around back then. I'm still guessing, but, um, yeah, Eris came back. He's he's a funny one, actually, because I, I spent a bunch of money on this test. And afterwards, I was kind of like, well, <laughs> I still don't know much because <laughs> he is uh, 12.5% Marema Sheepdog, which I had never heard of before, but Great Pyrenees-ish, like an Italian Great Pyrenees, essentially. Um, 12.5% White Shepherd and uh, 75% Unknown, 
because <laughs> wow, these multiple they only go back three generations uh, or they can only go back three generations at this point so if there's more than three generations of mixed breeds they don't know <laughs> so he's a wonder dog <laughs> oh my God. and he's so sweet and everyone just for the record Eris and Waylon are like BFFs those two oh, gosh. grow down and play like the silly they like, like play like puppies hilarious I know they just like <laughs> slam into each other and pull each other over it's adorable <laughs> oh my god oh my god okay so Yoda and Eris okay so yeah. before we talk about the youngster I want to yeah. kind of talk about the controversial part. We're here, everyone. We are to the controversial part of the conversation. Yay, we yes. made it. Yay. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> your newest dog, we're going to introduce her. Don't worry, she will get her spotlight, but she is oh, yeah. not a rescue. She's not. Okay, so do you, wanna, do you want to just walk everybody through a little bit of your thought process, right? And like why you diverged from rescue? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of thoughts here. Ippa, my my my, my newest addition. Um, I have been kind of fantasizing about having a border collie for a very long time. It actually goes back to probably when I was like six or seven years old. And this is the part where it gets a little like I wouldn't recommend like one of my clients like go after a particular breed because you've had a fantasy since you were six years old. <laughs> right, right. You might want to put a little more thought into it. And rest assured, I did. So <laughs> But this much. is, yes, this is where it started. <laughs> it's actually Flight of the Navigator. Have you ever seen that movie? I'm dating myself. It's an 80s movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That's where your love of Border Collies began? It was this disc dog. The, the movie opens up with this scene of disc dogs jumping and catching frisbees and the dog that is owned by the, the, you know, the main star of the film, which they don't even show very much in this, in this movie. It's mostly not about dogs. Um, but it's definitely like some little border collie mix and super cute. And anyway, there have been a lot of other reasons I've been drawn to border collies throughout my life, herding breeds in general. I, I am a little bit obsessed. Um, I'm one of those, one of those people. Um, and actually my heart dog growing up who was a shelter rescue was definitely a collie mix of some sort. Uh, her name was Brandy. We got her when I was nine years old and she was just the best dog ever. Um, and so I don't know, I just always kind of had this, this affinity for these dogs. So as I got into dog training, I have kind of jumped on every opportunity to work with Border Collies and Australian Shepherds, mixes of, of, of those varieties, um, as well as a ton of other dogs. I love pretty much all dog breeds, but, you know, we, we have our favorites, as I, I'm sure you yeah, <laughs> are <we> familiar. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't even know exactly when it was. I want to say it was probably like almost a decade ago, probably, when I started looking at Border Collie breeders. Um, and I look at Pet Finder all the time, looking for the Border Collies available. I was always looking at puppies. Um, and I've worked with a lot of puppies and, and a lot of adult dogs and rescues and breeder dogs. Um, and 
you know, there's a whole spectrum. Some are, some come from the shelter and they're already trained and they're awesome and ready to go. Um, but it is a little bit of a crapshoot, so to speak, in a way. Um, and with the experience I've had with the dogs that I've had in my adult life, uh, my dog Buttons in particular, she was my my first adult dog. I got her when I was 20 and thought I knew a lot about dog training back then. <laughs> I was like, I've, wa- I've read some books. I've watched some TV. I, I, I know got everything. This. I got this. I'm, I'm 20 years old. I know everything. <laughs> um, and so I like, you know, I got, she was actually, Buttons was uh, the runt of 14 puppies from a litter out in Elizabeth. She was another one of those rescues that came to me through friends, actually. <laughs> Um, and she was probably like four or five months old ish when I got her. She'd had a lot of experiences, you know, getting jostled around a lot before then. And she was just timid in general, maybe because she was the runt of the litter. I don't know what the temperament of the parents were. A lot of mystery there. Um, and so she had a few bad experiences, um, partly because I took her to dog parks for socialization, which I know a lot of people still think that that's, you know, a a way to socialize puppies. Um, I certainly did back then. And I learned a hard lesson that it was not a great idea. (laughs) Because my puppy got really reactive towards other dogs. And rightly so. I think she was pretty terrified being surrounded by a bunch of big dogs all of a sudden at her size. Um, And especially with her temperament being being already kind of nervous and anxious. Um, And Yeah, I just went into that relationship with this dog who, again, I adored. I had her until her dying day. She was such a huge part of my life. Like, I learned so much with Buttons. Um, I love her endlessly, and I miss her dearly. Um, But yeah, living with her was a challenge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was really, really stressful sometimes. There was a lot of times where I couldn't take her places and I had to really do a lot of logistics to make sure she was okay and she was separated and she wasn't going to hurt somebody and or she wasn't going to bite somebody she also got kind of reactive towards little kids and so she couldn't be around kids or strangers or dogs and and we did a lot of training we did a lot of work and she was my training inspiration really she kind of got me into that um so after after getting her to the point where she would tolerate other dogs, she got to the point where she could let me have, you know, sometimes I would board dogs back then when she was still around and she would tolerate other dogs being around. She would not play with them. <laughs> There's actually one dog that I watched once. Her name was Juniper and she had to move away eventually. And I was heartbroken because they played. I have it on video somewhere. I was just like, Buttons is playing with another dog. This is a miracle. <laughs> right. But the struggle of getting there and the struggle of, you know, we did so many like the growly classes, the prickly pooch classes. We went through so much training and throughout all of those years, she did get to a point of tolerance, but she would never be a playful dog with other dogs. And she would always be anxious and I would always be worried about her. So (laughs) all of that is to say, um, and, you know, Yoda has been an incredible dog. He has a couple of little quirks here and there that, you know, he probably, he, mystery life with Yoda. I really wonder about his life, actually, because he 
was, I don't know how old when we found him and he had been roaming the streets. Um, he may have fathered puppies out there. Like I have no clue what this guy did. (laughs) His life's a mystery. Um, and sometimes he, he's still, he's still a little bit of a mystery sometimes, but he's awfully cute. Um, and really overall a wonderful, pretty well-rounded dog. Eris, um, is awesome, but he has become very dog selective over the years. Um, and he has a little bit of reactivity that has come out here and there. And, you know, I'm always trying to troubleshoot and see what his triggers are and work on, work on that. Oh yeah. The never ending training process. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that goes, I mean, that, I'm not saying that doesn't happen when you get a breeder bred dog. Um, because it happens all the time. But my goal with finding this puppy um, was to really look for a dog that I knew the history of and a dog that I maybe knew the parents and their temperaments and I knew was being socialized basically from birth, (laughs) which was a huge deal for me. So I was spending that like last decade or so looking into all these different options. It was more of a fantasy. Like I wasn't ready for a very long time. I was like, I want to get a puppy. It was actually a bucket list item for me before I turned 40. I was like, before I'm 40, I think I want to get a puppy and raise them from the get and try this. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of this conversation, right. Is that we have a very similar story, right. Is that like, Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of my career in the rescue world. I've rescued a lot of dogs. And while I wouldn't take any of that back, there's also the things that come with that. You know what I mean? And like, it's a miracle. I never got sued with some of the dogs that were in my care that like got into fights or went after people. And Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those that it's really easy to judge, right? Like, how dare you? Why would you buy a dog from a breeder? And my hope with this episode, everyone, is to offer a little bit more empathy that it is not black and white. It's not this easy adopt, don't shop, and that's the end of the story, right? Because that negates how much stress and anxiety we live with when we care for dogs who have stress and anxiety (laughs) and Mm -hmm. can be reactive and aggressive, right? And Exactly. Again, we would never change it. Those dogs made us who we are. But as we move forward, right, like, especially in this trajectory in your career, you don't really have the same luxury of like, you can just kind of bring a dog in with unknown history and kind of see how it goes because you always have dogs in and out of your house always, right? Like you're in high demand for good reason, right? You're in high demand for good reason, but it's like, it's it's different, right? Like bringing yeah. a dog into your household now is not what it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the, one of the criteria was having a well-socialized dog that would be happy to see other dogs coming to my house because I do have dogs here boarding pretty much all the time, um, which is a fantastic, like kind of dream come true situation. I love, I love that I'm able to do this. But if I had buttons still right now, uh, buttons is actually a reason I didn't do this for a good chunk of time because I did it. I kind of like dabbled in it for a while and then I would take years off because she was stressed. Uh, she didn't feel comfortable having these dogs around. She would tolerate, like I said, but it wasn't really fair to her to be bringing in all of these client dogs all the time when she was like over here, like, Ugh, just tolerating this. I'm not happy. That's not great. Great quality of life for her. So 
yeah, it's been really key for me to make sure that this pup that I get is pro-social with dogs for sure. Yeah. And it's like, obviously we're going to introduce it, but in just a minute, everyone, but she, <laughs> she's obviously young and she's still growing, but a lot of your caseload is like mine, right? Reactivity, a lot of leash reactivity and mm-hmm. having a neutral dog who can come for those setups, right? Because you can't ask oh. that. Well, Yoda, he's retired. We don't ask things of Yoda. Yeah. He's yeah. Your life, right. And, and Eris, <laughs> he's been helpful. Of, and Eris, that kind of stresses him out, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, for him, right? And he's got a little reactivity himself, so he might actually make things worse, depending on the situation or the trigger. Right. So it's like being able to have that like confident, neutral dog is a huge asset to your business, even outside of the boarding. Yes. Yes. Incredibly so. Oh my god. Okay. So I feel like we need to introduce her now. (laughs) Tell everyone. Yes. She's sleeping amazingly. Like she's passed out on the floor next to me somehow. This is what I was hoping for. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ippa, she is my border collie puppy, my dream border collie puppy that I finally got. <laughs> She's real. She's real. She's real. She's real. Uh, yeah. So I went through that long period of time researching, looking for a, a place to get this dog um, that was going to match a lot of, you know, wish list items for me. Um I really wanted, here's the thing with breeders, right? There's, and I feel this way about the whole, the whole, anywhere you can get a dog. There's good and there's bad on all sides, right? There's, there's great shelters and rescues. And then there's kind of sketchy shelters and rescues. There's really wonderful ethical breeders who really care about the health and well-being of their dogs. And then you have backyard breeders or puppy mills, God forbid, that are doing it to make money. Um, so on both sides of that coin, I think avoiding the ones that don't, that don't have the dog's best interest at heart is really what it comes down to. Um, and so finding this breeder was a big deal for me because I wanted somebody who was really dedicated to the well-being of the dogs and knows the breed. Cause another thing, if you're going to go to a breeder to get a specific breed, you want to know what's, <laughs> what that breed is all about. You want to know what they were bred for. What kind of drive are they going to have? Um, is this a good pet? <laughs> are you going to be yeah. working this dog and giving it a job or is it, you know, pet bred? Is it bred specifically to be calmer? And, you know, there's so many factors that go into this. Um, and that's also something that you can't really pick when you go through a rescue or shelter. Is, did this dog come from working lines? Maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, and then you've got a crazy dog on your hands and maybe you weren't planning on that or vice versa. Maybe you wanted a hiking buddy to go out and be with you uh, doing all kinds of stuff and you get a couch potato dog that was, <laughs> you don't know. Um, so there's a certain consistency that you can kind of not necessarily bet on with with but the probabilities right of like all yeah. the information that the breeder can give you about their lines the lineage the so temperament much. the health the sensitivities it's just higher probabilities yeah. that that puppy will be within that spectrum of what the breeder describes to you exactly exactly yeah so i was looking through all these breeders <laughs> i had a bunch of people you know different dog trainer friends who were like oh i heard this dog this Border Collie Breeder is awesome and this one and that one. And um, 
I, I stalked them all on social oh, yeah. media and websites for uh-huh. years, literally. <laughs> and I kept coming back to this one breeder, actually, that wound up being in Colorado. I wasn't, I was looking all over the country. Um, but this one was in Colorado, just about an hour away out in Elizabeth. She has a Facebook page too, and is very active on uploading pictures of the puppies and the way she raises them. And her website was super informative talking about the way the puppies are stimulated basically from the moment they're born. Um, it's basically puppy culture, which I don't know if we want to go into that very much, but it's, so a- I have talked about puppy culture on this podcast a lot because Wayland's breeder also Wayland and Spicy's breeder also uses puppy culture, nice. right? So everyone yeah. crash course puppy culture is a puppy rearing program that essentially gives the puppies the best chance at physically and behaviorally sound personalities and structures as they age. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that was one, that was one of my wish list items for the breeder. I wanted somebody who's going to be really engaged and starting from the get go. And this is also this particular breeders, basically her full-time job. Like she has a litter of puppies and this is what she does all day. She's interacting with them. Um, all of the dogs in her family are their family dogs. They're part of part of the family. They live in the house. Um, she calls them border collies with an off switch, which is, I think, kind of a what do you call it? An oxymoron a little bit. <laughs> For sure. But also very appealing, but, right? Like, exactly. A breeder exactly. who can tell you that and conceptually understand those things, like that's a very good sign. Green flag In- for sure. Incredibly, incredibly. And yeah, that's the thing. Most of most of these dogs, I think, go to pet homes, but they also have the capacity to be border collies and like go do do dog sports and agility, which, by the way, was another thing that I was looking for a dog that maybe I could get into the dog sports world a little bit, kind of dabble. Cause I, that's something I haven't really done with any of my dogs. I've done a little bit of agility in the past with Eris, but him being a livestock guardian breed, <laughs> uh, he didn't take to it super, <laughs> super enthusiastically. He did it for, he did it for, he did it for me. He totally yeah. tried. He, he would stop and just walk off the course and go sniff sometimes. <laughs> and eventually I was just like, I don't know if this is his thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got his thing, but this might not be it. Um, and yeah, there's just like this whole other world of dog training that I've always kind of been curious about. And I was like, well, my, my 14 year old Chihuahua is not going <laughs> to, not going to sign up for this. And Eris is definitely not really into it. Um, however, this one might be. <laughs> In fact, she, I think she's going to do darn well. Um, so that was kind of part of it, but yeah, finding, finding a breeder that was going to really know the breed really well and then hit a bunch of little marks, like an ethical breeder that screens the people who are going to buy the puppies, right? Like making sure that these puppies are going to a good home, making sure that there's an agreement that like, if anything ever happens, they take the puppies back. Like you have to sign in this contract that if anything comes up where you can't keep this dog, you return them to the breeder. Which is such a like commitment, right? From a breeder, like, yes, I will take back any dog that comes from my lines. You know, that's huge. Um, it's a and big responsibility. I think that ethical breeders, every single ethical breeder would be like, yes, I would take a dog back no matter what. Exactly. Cause it's like part of their family, you know, they yep. put so much of their heart and soul into this. They really care. Um, health screening, like, Orthopedic testing, uh, with border collies, the, the collie eye anomaly testing, um, several others that I don't even remember. 
she does this testing, a big deal to make sure that both parents pass all of these genetic tests and they're going to have healthy puppies. One thing that I have learned in pet sitting and dog training and dog walking, uh, I've had so many clients with so many huge surgery bills from orthopedic issues and so many behavioral issues that have just kind of cropped up over time and just things that who knows what exactly caused them. But I think that, you know, screening the parents and making sure we're not breeding dogs that are passing on these genetics is a really big deal. Um, and it's a really ethical, responsible thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that was some of my stuff. Um, trying to think about what else. Oh, only breeding went on demand. Uh, so like having a wait list, Breeders that just like breed and then have puppies and they're putting them on Facebook marketplace or Craigslist. That gives me a little red flag <laughs> a little bit. It's like, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. you're, uh, is this, why, is this, right? Like why though? Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit money, more about the money maybe. Um, whereas this breeder also has a wait list and only breeds her dogs when there's demand for the dogs. Um, and also the dogs, the mothers, the the dogs that are being bred are only bred a few times in their life. So they only have a few litters each and they're retired and they stay on this awesome farm out in Elizabeth where she lived <laughs> and remain part of the family and have this wonderful life. So that's just some of the, oh the long God, list right, of right. requirements. So green flag, green flag, green flag. Exactly. Like, okay, this is a breeder that I can exactly. support. This is a breeder that I can support. <laughs> You know, and it's like um, everyone listening, you know, I've done a lot of podcast episodes talking about choosing a puppy, right? Whether you go the breeder route or the rescue route, but we, you have to ask these questions. You have to have answers to these things. And I think that something else that is really important is, you know, checking in, tell me more about mom's personality. Tell me more about dad's personality, right? Like, because again, we're always speaking of probabilities. There's no guarantees, right? We're breeding this, but The probability, right? The probability Mm -hmm. of getting a puppy that has some of the personality and behavior traits as the parents is very, very high, right? And we need to know those details. At the very least, we need to ask, tell me more about mom. How does she do with dogs? How does she do with people? Is she noise sensitive, right? Like we have to have answers to those questions. So much of this stuff can be passed on. And then we could get into the topic of like epigenetics and how that affects. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> but, we'll save that for another episode. Go there. We'll save yeah, that for yeah. another episode. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So all the red flags, uh, I'm sorry, green flags, not red yes, flags, yes. green flags, right? <laughs> so let's fast forward to she is with you now. Can you yeah. just highlight some of the things that you're noticing in contrast to maybe some of the other like young dogs that didn't have the same level of training, socialization, things of that nature early in their life? Like, what are you noticing? Because how old is she now? She's almost eight months. Oh like my God. Four days, four oh days. Gosh. She'll be eight months Okay. Old. And everyone, for the record, Ippa and Spicy are also BFFs, right? Like we're oh, very yeah. lucky oh, that yeah. our dogs really get along <laughs> very, very well. I know that worked out so well. <laughs> I know so well, so well. Okay. Dude, they grow up so fast. It's insane. Okay. So, so tell us some of those things that were like standing out, like, oh my God, look at this confident puppy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So from the get go, bringing her home, she was about nine weeks when I, when I got to take her home and I did get to meet mom and dad and aunt and 
and multiple. I didn't get to meet her grandmother. I know her grandmother was there though, but like, I kind of know these dogs and I know a lot about them, which is really cool. Like I mentioned, I'm actually boarding her sister right now, <laughs> which is, I love it. Super cool. Um, I know the family, but yeah, no, from the get go, she came home and I've just been kind of blown away with every phase of her life so far, how awesome she's been. She came home pretty much already potty trained. So we didn't have a whole lot of work to do there. I just had to stick to the schedule. You know, she still had a tiny bladder. So taking her out regularly, the basic stuff, but she had very few accidents and she learned how to ask me to go out immediately. I think she kind of came that way knowing already because she had already had so much training from the beginning. She already had all these skills to communicate with me, which was amazing. (laughs) Um, and then moving forward, once we started boarding again, I took a, I took a break from boarding for a little while so that I could bond with my new puppy (laughs) and (laughs) that would have been chaos. I think having boarding dogs and the brand new puppy, but, um, we started boarding again and very slowly introducing her to new dogs and she was doing great, having fun. She already had met a lot of dogs as a young puppy. So she was pretty, pretty good about that. Pretty pro-social. Um, another thing about this breeder and I think a lot of breeders is that they help you select out of the litter what temperament puppy like the individual is going to work best for your family situation so valuable and their knowledge is very good because they've been doing this probably for a while um so she you know she did a temperament assessment for me and helped select this puppy specifically because she knew I bore dogs and I'm a dog trainer and she was like this puppy seems like the most pro-social to other dogs she's not guardy of people she's affectionate but like just like all these little things and I was like this is this is incredible so yeah and she has pretty much matched you know that description even even still at this point it's been fascinating watching her interact with the boarding dogs because she has, I wasn't actually sure how it was going to go socializing a puppy and raising a puppy and also running this business at the same time. But it's actually turned out to be this really fantastic socialization experience for her because she already came very resilient and very confident and happy to meet dogs. Um, And then she's continuing to meet all these different dogs. And I have, you know, the spectrum, a lot of the dogs that come and stay with me, like we've already talked about, there are a lot of referrals from other trainers, uh, dogs with some behavioral issues, maybe a little reactivity, maybe they're a little sensitive or nervous and they can't go to a bigger place. But she has been so adaptive and she's been able to really read other dogs. And she's still a puppy. She's got that puppy energy and she gets all wiggly and like, oh, my God, you're my new friend. But she doesn't like tackle a new dog. She can read if if they're a little, you know, unsure. She'll give them space and she'll come up and she'll be a little bit calmer. If it's a if it's a higher energy dog that's more confident and, you know, she's like let's ready go. to go. Let's she's go. like, heck, yeah, let's play. <laughs> like kind of like spicy. Who's like, oh yeah, let's God, go. Let's yeah. zoom. <laughs> let's wrestle. So she can like match. And it's that's one of the things that's been blowing my mind is like how intuitive she's becoming and, you know, working with all these different dogs and kind of becoming like a great little boarding assistant and training assistant for me, which is what I wanted and honestly didn't expect this much. Like she's surpassing my expectations. And, you know, I was thinking, too, like when we got the girls together for that play date, how Mm -hmm. they didn't need us at all. Like, 
literally these two puppies played beautifully for hours and they didn't mm-hmm. need any redirection. They didn't nope. need any assistance. It was Waylon was the only one who needed our support. He was annoyed and he, <laughs> wanted he was to go the home. third wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. But like their ability to match and self-regulate and yeah. like, that's definitely something that I break. noticed. Right. That's definitely something I noticed with spicy is that like, she has amazing self-regulation. She's still a psycho. Okay. <laughs> like, let's not kid here, but like, yeah, we've got high energy breed dogs yes, here. Yes, like their ability to like match and read and like that dog savvy. Oh, it is beautiful. Yes. yes. I completely agree. Yeah. And that's come up time and time again, like having play dates with a variety of people I'll bring her to meet dogs um that my my friend Bettina who I do the virtual classes for her dog Presta is a wonderful little dog who plays really well with a lot of dogs but particularly with Ippa like watching them we've talked about before how it's like just beautiful to watch them play because they have this beautiful balance back and forth. They, they don't get too crazy. They know how to take breaks. It's so, it's so refreshing, right. To see like healthy play between dogs and they're so well-versed at communicating with each other and picking up on each other's cues, which pertaining back to your question, um, that's a big thing that I've noticed in co- contrast to a lot of shelter dogs that I work with or puppies that just don't pick up on those cues sometimes or they have to learn and it's hard. Sometimes they can't learn if they're, you know, past, past that, that window um, or they can, or it's limited how much they can learn. Right. And it's just amazing to see how it goes when they, when they can communicate and they can right. play beautifully. Right. <laughs> and I mean, Ippa is not at all stressed at home mm-hmm. with dogs in and out. That's her norm. She's fine, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and, and I think that that's so helpful, right? Because it's like, like you were saying, right, with buttons. And this reminds me so much of something, right. right? It's like, yeah. there was a level of toleration we could ask for them. But ultimately, yeah. like, you can't be present and show up fully for your job when you know in the back of your mind you have a dog in your house who is, like, not in love with what's happening. Yeah, right? Like, that's exactly. a very stressful, like, It was such norm. a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it didn't continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So tell us more about trainability. Yeah. Gosh, she's been a sponge. Well, and I don't know how much of this is because she's a border collie and they're like the <laughs> smartest breed in the world. <laughs> that that could be another controversial topic. <laughs> um, No, she is just a little sponge. Like I said, like when she first came home, she... Uh, I have bells by my door, you know, like the potty bells. I never trained her to use them. She just kind of figured it out. One day she rang the bell and I opened the door and I was like, oh, good job. And then she just did it every time and still to this day does it. She just like picks things up. One thing I talk about frequently is that like she could she could know way more (laughs) than I can possibly teach her if I had the capacity to teach her because she's just got the energy and she's got the intellect and she's got the, the, like you said, like the lack of stress, she's able to show up and be in that thinking and learning zone where she can just do it. And she wants to do it. (laughs) Whereas I've had a lot of struggles in the past with dogs that like buttons, I think a lot of why we couldn't make progress with her reactivity. Like it plateaued at a certain point because there was a lot of stress going on and there was a lot of, you know, 
things triggering her that maybe I couldn't even pick up on. Like there's just so much going on that you can't see. So yeah, no, she's, uh, she's, I mean, I, I signed up and got a border collie and I knew she was gonna, she was going to be a smarty pants, but Holy cow. (laughs) She just blows my mind every day with how intuitive she is. And with the other dogs, like another thing she does sometimes if I have dogs that are playing and like she gets along pretty much with every dog she's met so far. Um, but if other uh, two other dogs are playing and it's getting maybe a little too rough or maybe somebody's getting maybe a little over threshold and I would be about to interrupt it and redirect them to something else. She comes and splits them like she just runs right through them and she's like, hey, guys, follow me and just does these intuitive things that I didn't teach her to do that. <laughs> God, she's just the best boarding yeah. assistant ever. Oh my gosh. I couldn't have asked for better. <laughs> my God. Okay. And like, yeah. because I know this, cause I met her, has she mm-hmm. met a stranger? She doesn't think anyone's strangers yet. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And this was a, this was a, a, an interesting balance for me because like in socializing her and continuing her socialization, once I brought her home, like I wanted to make sure she met lots of people and met lots lots of dogs and had lots of experiences but I also didn't want to make her like hyper social and like oh my god I have to meet every dog oh my god I have to meet every person so I wanted to like try and strike that balance but she is the only dog I've ever had where like we'll be walking down the street and she sees a person a block away and her tail starts wagging and she's just like friend friend (laughs) and like but she can accept if you're like sorry we're not gonna say hi yeah absolutely Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's such yeah. a nice balance, isn't it? It it's really awesome. And I... you know, everyone listening, it is perfectly acceptable if your dog doesn't like other dogs and doesn't like people. Yes. That's perfectly acceptable, right? Absolutely. But there is also an ease and ownership and guardianship in a dog who likes people and likes dogs and is just generally not afraid of really anything, right? Like. Right. There's right. just a lot more ease in that, right? And it doesn't Something have to be helpful. on you to like be proactive and manage or do behavior modification, right? It's like right. you just kind of get to exist in the world and she kind of gets to like, well, it's not that she's doing her thing alone. You're doing it together, but like she doesn't right. need you in that same way. Exactly. She doesn't need me hyper focused on everything that's happening with her at all times. Yeah. It's actually, it's kind of like, I, I don't know, startling is the right word, but it's like sometimes I'm startled by how easy she is because I'm just like, I'm trying to be 10 steps ahead and be like, Oh, let me prevent this from happening. Like, I don't want her to be reactive at the fence. I don't want to do this. I don't want want to do that. And then I'm like, Oh, she's, but she's okay though. She doesn't need me to be worried about that because she's not doing that. (laughs) Or she's like super easy to redirect from this thing that I thought might be a problem or, or what have you. So yeah. Oh my God. It's pretty awesome. And I mean, well, generally speaking, I don't love the word biddable it kind of comes to mind, right? It's like, you can be like, hey, do this for me. And she's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. sure, yeah. I can do that, right? Right, like, <laughs> like heck yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, oh my she's gosh. always up, always up for anything, basically. Oh my yeah, God. The, yeah, she's, she's fantastic. <laughs> she is, she's a total gem, everyone. Um, Okay, so <sighs> I want to just talk really quickly. I want to kind of like bring it full circle here because- like I was saying, I think that like, especially in the the day and age we are in like social media and ha- people are getting canceled and everyone's jumping on one bandwagon or another. 
We're, mm-hmm. we're certainly not here having this conversation saying that there's not a time and place for rescue because there's a lot of shelters. There's a lot of rescue organizations who need your support, right? They mm-hmm. do. But I think that there's also this, you know, misconception that the only way to support a rescue is to adopt. That's crazy. That's not the only way to support a rescue, right? And right. I think that I hope that this conversation has been enlightening for a lot of you to realize that we can do both right? Like we can support ethical breeders and we can also continue to support rescues and those dogs and those people who need us, right? Like it's not one or the other. We can actually kind of do it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many fantastic rescues out there that need volunteers. They need donations. They need social media spreading of the word. Um, I have so many friends who work in rescue and my neighbor is a wonderful person who works in the shelter environment. And that job is so hard. Like the work that the people in, in all of these places do is incredible. Um, and they need help. So <laughs> yeah, especially right now when all of a sudden after the pandemic seems like the, uh, the adoption wave has, has lulled a bit, yeah. but yeah. Um, there's so many ways to support them. And I think one of the ways of supporting in a rather different way is, is also supporting ethical and responsible breeders and maybe focusing on not participating in buying puppies from stores or puppy mills or off of Craigslist or, you know, situations that are not, are, are leading to dogs going back to the shelter. Because I feel like that's a big stream. Yeah. into that direction. Yeah, right. And like, like the dogs I mean, coming from these breeders are not going into the shelter system. Yeah, and That's I mean the key. I just I want I want to just say for all of you who are listening who are like, well, one you getting a dog from a breeder is costing the life of a dog in a shelter. I wholeheartedly empathize with where you're coming from, but mm-hmm. I would argue but that it is just not that black and white. You know what right. I mean? It isn't. And it's I very think that complex And I think too, like, and I'd like to hear from you on this, like on a personal level, the ability for me to show up for my clients, for the sanctuary that I run the training program for my clients is so much greater now because I don't have the stress of dealing. I mean, obviously Waylon still stresses me out. Everyone who listens to this (laughs) podcast knows. But yeah, they're, I, still, it's, it's, they're right, still dogs. It's different, right? Like <laughs> I'm able to show up so much better in my life and my business because I've gone the breeder route and raise like dogs who really don't have behavior problems. Yes, maybe they're a pain in my ass, but they don't really have Ava. behavior problems. <laughs> and I think that that's also an important part of this conversation, right? Like you don't have to sacrifice the next 15 years of your life and your mental health just to rescue a dog. Right. Right. Exactly. There's different options for different lifestyles. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like um, Buttons was a project dog. You know, she was a lifelong commitment to management and energy and being able to, I wasn't able to do that much um, professionally or personally, unfortunately, like going hiking. No, we can't do that. <laughs> She's going to bark at everybody. She might bite somebody. Um, really stressful. But yeah, it kind of op- has opened up my life quite a bit. And made it a little bit, a little bit easier, um, professionally to be able to do the things that I want to do. Like you were saying, I, I agree with, um, it being, it's, it's not a black and white issue. 
Um, I used to be on the side of adopt, don't shop, like how dare you, breeders shouldn't exist and all that. But the longer I've been working with dogs and working within the shelter system and with shelter dogs, things are not what they seem. (laughs) And there's a lot more to the story. So I think that's the key takeaway from this is that there's a lot more complexity to all of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. We could probably Um, talk about this for hours, honestly. I know. Oh my God, we could. Okay. So Haley, tell everyone how they can connect with you right on social media. And then I know that you are in high demand, but um, tell them how they can work with you if they want to wait a little bit. Also. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, you can find me on social media at Kindred Canine. Um, it's it's Kindred with a K and Canine with a C. People often ask me that. Yeah, like okay. got it. We'll include um, that in the show notes. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I have a website as well. Same, same, same. Um, and yeah, so I offer, like I said, the low stress boarding in my home. Uh, I am a dog trainer, so your dog gets to stay with a dog trainer, which is kind of a, kind of a perk. (laughs) Yes. Big deal for sure. Um, the reinforcing manners and whatnot. So, um, and yeah, I keep it low stress. There's plenty of space for dogs that aren't able to necessarily even interact with each other. Sometimes I've watched dogs that don't want to play with each other and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I book up a bit. <laughs> I was talking to a new client the other day about how there's just, there's not enough of us, uh, essentially. True. You were worth um, your weight in gold, that is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So everybody I know who does this books out pretty far, but you're welcome to get on my wait list. Um, and I have an availability calendar on my website for what that's worth. If people want to look at that off in the distance and see if they're planning a trip or something or just want their dogs to have a nice little vacation, basically. Um, I also offer private training so I can come to people in the West Denver metro area for the most part. And I offer uh, virtual dog training classes and puppy training classes uh, through, like I said, my colleague Bettina's website. That's Trust Evolved Dog Training. Amazing. That's about Amazing. it. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.